When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So welcome to episode 54 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. There's a total of, now I've worked this out, 3,420 minutes of Premier League football to play this season. And we're only 90 minutes in, but already the opinions are flowing in thick and fast. Don't you just love football? My name is Sam Davis and with me, as ever, is Jeff Hayward. He's standing by ready to provide some remote assistance and some decision making from his VAR booth in God knows where. (laughs) Jeff, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm pretty good, Sam. And I mean, we'll talk about the game later, but have you have you sort of recovered? Are you you feeling all right? Um, Mm, yeah, can I come back to that one? <laughs> <laughs> Not a problem at all. So without wanting to break up the flow of the podcast too much with any more VAR decisions, here's what's coming up. We provide our match report of the game where Billy Sharp was on point in the 85th minute to deny Cherries that opening day victory. We then get your thoughts from the disappointing one-all draw with Sheffield United and we really appreciate it. There were loads of thoughts that have been sent in so thank you so much. Now after that Jeff and I will dissect the weekend's draw and discuss individual players, tactics and formations and then I'll go on to share a little background on the Back of the Net YouTube channel which kicked off this weekend. Now after that Jeff previews Saturday's match against Aston Villa as he speaks with lifelong Villa fan Rob Suckling. And finally Jeff and I then chat over our thoughts and predictions ahead of the trip to England's second city. But there's a little extra thing at the end. We'll be rounding up the show with the answer to Do You Remember? That's right, people. It is back. Who's ready to sing the theme tune? So this piece of audio was taken from the club restaurant. Someone videoed a new player who was being unveiled to the Cherry Hospitality goers. Now, you can probably tell how recent this clip is by the voice of the interviewer, but 
This question is fairly simple. Who's the new signing for AFC Bournemouth? Yeah, well, it's been a long summer for me. Uh, uh, been here, there, and everywhere. And uh, you know, every time I thought about it, I thought I want to come back home. And uh, when I came down here last week, uh, of course, the team played very well. Enjoyed the game. Saw the setup. It's fantastic. Met the uh, Abdul and uh, Peter Phillips, and thought, yeah, this could be for me. Does that mean you're going to be here for uh, a few years to come? Do you see yourself uh, sort of uh, finishing your career at Bournemouth? Yeah, I think so. I think I see myself playing for another couple of years at least. So let's take this year first. Hopefully it goes well and uh, we'll take it from there. Mm, so there we go. Did you get the answer? The answer will be at the end of the show. Now, onto the weekend's game, and there's a match report with a difference this week as we recorded live audio during the game in a fan cam style vocal piece, giving you the outline of events at the Vitality Stadium. And we follow this with your fan thoughts. My name is Kerry. I'm a season ticket holder and I sit in the main stand. In my opinion, the adjectives to best describe the whole experience yesterday was frustrating and lacklustre. The Blades fans were in fine voice right from the off, over-singing Sweet Caroline that typically Cherry's fans belt out. That for me almost set the tone for the rest of the match. First 45 minutes felt like it was all in Sheffield United's half from where I sit. The AFC Bournemouth's play from the back had my eyes rolling heavenward at times. I just wish that we would run at them and attack. Wish that Eddie had played some subs much earlier in the second half to change how the game was going. And it would have been great for Harry Wilson if he was brought on to see what he could bring to the game. It's such a shame David Brooks is injured. His tenacity and flair is so exciting to watch and that was distinctly lacking yesterday. I felt that Ake and Steve Cook put in a real shift as always. 
VAR really inter interrupted the game for me. Um, I wish that we could almost have a video replay on the big screen um, whilst the decision is being made to add to the anticipation. I felt that there should be uh, a penalty in extra time for Bournemouth um, and that should have been requested. All in all, it's a bit pants really. So shall we just put yesterday down to the weird wild weather and hope that we stuff Aston Villa in spectacular fashion next week. Here's hoping anyway. Up the cherries. Hi, this is Nathan. I was sat in the East End earlier today. A few thoughts in the game. I feel as though this was two points definitely dropped. I feel as though up against Sheffield United, playing five at the back with two defensive midfielders was, was far too defensive. If we're going to play with wing-backs, they need to get wide. The ball needs to get out to them quickly. It was far too often today where the ball was just going backwards and forwards, side to side, with no real intensity. I thought Billing had an excellent debut, but it's obvious that he's here to break up the play. Just like Jefferson, he's here to stop the ball and break it up and then give it to a creative player, whereas today there wasn't that player. Uh, if we're going to play the wing-backs, the ball needs to get out to them immediately. It needs to be quick. Uh, otherwise, we're just going to really struggle to break down teams. I understand why Eddie did it, and we've got a big game against Man City in a few weeks' time, so I understand why we're trying out the formation, but I just don't think it worked today. I think it was obvious at around 60, 70 minutes that the formation needed to change. Um, some of the other players on the bench weren't, well, there was nobody brought on until the 91st minute. I can't believe that in our first game of the season, players in probably the worst shape they will be all season, that they all managed, bar Callum Wilson, took over full 90. Um, yeah, I didn't think that was the best best tactical decision from Eddie today um, but Aston Villa next week just watching against Tottenham uh, they're definitely there for, for the taking it's going to be a, a really lively atmosphere their first home game back in the Prem looking forward to it up the cherries Hi it's Ashley here I sit in the main stand uh, I missed the game as I'm away at the moment but I did manage to listen to the commentary uh, once the website feed was sorted out but that's another story I may also have watched some on my phone obviously I couldn't comment on that but I did see some of the game Really disappointing. Um, I've never been convinced by us uh, playing three at the back. It seems to restrict the things that we're good at, uh, but I'll leave the tactics to the experts. Um, Eddie obviously appears to like it, but certainly a lot of the people that, that I've sat around over the years, none of us think that we ever look uh, particularly good going forward with three at the back. A couple of thoughts though. We did our usual when we went one up in a tight game. We started to sit deeper, and you can start to see and feel the anxiety creeping into the players. Um, I don't think we've made any progress with that over the last four years or so. Now, I know we can defend heroically at times, but it would be nice occasionally to be brave enough to impose ourselves on the opposition in a tight game when we're ahead. Um, I don't know what the answer is, but there does appear to be maybe a lack of leadership and character in those situations. The changes were made far too late, in my opinion. Uh, I guess we're all used to that by now. Um, it would be nice to hear some reasoning behind it, though. I thought Billing looked outstanding uh, and he had a great partnership with Lerma. I do wonder though whether playing both of them together may ultimately prove to be a bit one-dimensional and whether only one will play once Lewis Cook is back and firing on all cylinders. That might give us a little bit of creativity going forward. Anyway, we didn't lose. Onwards and upwards. Uh, looking forward to going to Villa on Saturday and spoiling their big day. Uh, hopefully a bit of a reshuffle of tactics and a few players now with a point to prove. Thanks. Bye. Right, so there we go. That was my view from inside the stadium and some raw, authentic audio from the one-all draw from the weekend. And, well, Jeff, 
It was one all, but let's discuss what happened at two o'clock because it was when the team selection was announced and we were debating over it last week and we were saying, who's it going to be? It's probably going to be Boric over Ramsdale, but he went with Ramsdale. He did. And you looked at that team selection and you thought, wow, I didn't see that coming. Uh, I know a lot of fans on Twitter didn't see it coming either. Mm. And it looked on paper to be quite a bold decision. Yeah, for sure, given he's got very little experience. But then, you know, in the game itself, he had to make that early save. And it seemed that that just gave him so much confidence, uh, you know, going forward. But then I was looking elsewhere, um, a couple of other surprises. Rico on the left, I was surprised he... He was started really, given his lack of Premier League experience and what I would say is not quite ready. And just the formation itself as a as a sort of five three two. What firstly, what are your thoughts on on Rico? Well, I thought that he was obviously playing what he thought was going to be an attacking formation. So I think the key to it was really that back three. And what he wanted the back three to do was to contain whatever Sheffield United could throw at us, get the wing backs forward, get plenty of overlapping pace down the outside, which I think is one of Rico's strengths. Certainly, I think that's what Eddie thought. Mm. Uh, and Adam Smith, too, of course, is is renowned for being able to get forward, get some crosses in, support uh, Fraser and yeah, get in behind them and do them some damage. That was the plan, I think. Yeah, it was. But, it, I mean, it hasn't quite happened yet for Rico. I think, again, his decision-making is not the best. Now, I've got a, I've got a sort of a question, one thing. I mean, we know that Adam Smith is very versatile. He can play on the right and he can play on the left. Um, so the, my assumption is that Eddie Howe thinks that Rico's more Premier League-ready than Jack Stacey because otherwise he would have put Adam Smith on the left and then, you know, given Jace, uh, sorry, Jack Stacey a debut... Um, from the right so he obviously sees something in Rico but for me uh, he just Rico sometimes now uh, I'm very wary of uh, making this sound like an agenda because it's not at all we want uh, Rico to perform as best as he can we want him to thrive in a cherry shirt but um, his decision making yeah not the best he doesn't seem to have the confidence to go forward and some of his passes seem to be a little bit wayward they do. I was watching the highlights again today and they had one pass which he pinged from left to right to Fraser, I think it was, which looked mm. on the money. Uh, yeah. Having said that, probably about the only pass like that that he made all game, quite honestly. And uh, I don't want this to be an anti-Rico thing. I think you're right. We need to be supportive. Eddie obviously sees, sees potential in him. But you look at that team selection and you think... Why did he pick that back five to play a game at home against a promoted side where if it doesn't work, then you're going to be looking quite stagnant and sterile and it is going to pass across the pitch because there wasn't that creativity in that middle of the field to really take it to the opposition. Mm. Yeah, that's right. I, could, um, I completely agree. It's just, um, I mean, uh, you know, to be fair to Rico, and we're not signalling him out because I don't think that Adam Smith particularly had a good game either. Um, I thought the back three did did all right. You know, Nathan Ake was Nathan Ake. Steve Cook was, you know, was very good considering some people were saying he wasn't going to uh, make the start of the season. And I also thought that Chris Meppham, despite a few sort of defensive issues, he did well 
on the whole and then obviously he scored his goal so I'm absolutely you know delighted for him um in terms of the midfield two uh Lerma and Billing how did you how did you think they did I think Billing did well looked pretty composed unlucky not to score uh he's got a decent long throw which is a good attacking asset as well which we saw yesterday Mm. um and he's good in the air so I think that was generally a positive. I do worry that watching the two of them together, if 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 one of them doesn't really step up and be the creator, where where is that sort of incision going to come from? And without Lewis Cook, do we really have that? Even Dan Gosling mm. sort of carrying the ball forward really aggressively and and you know playing the one twos on the edge of the box that he does. It, it, do you know what was the real issue? I thought yesterday. Uh, Sam and I know, I know a lot of people have talked about why he didn't bring oh. subs on but if you look at that bench that he had there wasn't a fullback mm. on that bench okay so if he decides yeah. that Rico isn't working and switches Smith over he's got to play Cook at right back he could play uh, Ake at left back and play Smith at right back but he obviously doesn't want to do that because he would have done it yesterday and so you're kind of left with mm. uh, what were his options and then in midfield the creativity in that central midfield on the bench it was Sermon who you know would have been a bit of a me too for Billing I think mm. yeah it's it's actually quite scary given the, the, the optimism that we've got I mean I know that we are ravaged by injuries at the moment um, and also, yeah, I mean, I was looking on Instagram and there were various rumours and then it was um, someone pictured Dan Juma in a, like, in a boot of some kind. Uh, not a football boot, sadly, but some kind of, uh, you know, reinforcement for his, his leg or ankle or something. So I don't know exactly what he's done, but he was injured. And you start to think, is there something that we're doing as a club? I mean, obviously, I know that Lloyd Kelly, his injury happened as a result of a, a bit of a... Um, awkward Harry Hart to tackle in training, but you just kind of think, is there anything that we're doing in training? Are we are we sort of overtraining these players because the injury crisis that we've got is is unbelievable? We're not in great shape for a pre-season. No, coming into the uh, first game with 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 you know, Eddie in the press conference afterwards, he was straight away onto the injury line mm. and. That has to make you think, I, and I, I do think that was a factor in whether he whether he could a, could actually play a back four or whether he did play the back five. And he obviously went for the back five because mm. he didn't feel he had confidence. I don't think in Rico as a back four left back. Mm. Um, and actually, again, not wishing to pick on Rico, but if you watch that Sheffield United goal, he switches off at that free kick. Yeah, you know, yeah. and and that is basic sort of left back thinking you've got to be on it in that 89th minute you've got to stop that cross going in so I think I think he's obviously not confident in uh, Rico as a left back Mm. and that limits then the flexibility for the rest of the team Hmm. Yeah, I mean, like I said in a, um, a YouTube video that I, um, I put out yesterday um, I think that um, Sheffield United as a team have got even their own fans admitted after the game they got a very direct style so that free kick was the last thing that I expected I thought they were just going to lump it into the box so no one was tracking the runner um, well they you know he they were just completely switched off as you say um, and we conceded 
in the same way that we always seem to um it takes an awkward deflection that lands at someone's feet it was billy sharps and it was in the back of the net but um going back earlier in the game really pleased for chris mepham to get his debut goal and the way that he celebrated and the way that the fans celebrated indicated that there wasn't maybe necessarily this var lull that we were all expecting like shall we celebrate shall we not because he went absolutely nuts didn't he he did, and you know, I was delighted for him. I think he's a very talented player. Um, great, great to uh, score at home. I think that's his second goal ever. Um, yeah. So congratulations, Chris. On, on, I don't want to be negative. I feel this is all coming across really negative. <laughs> but you know, first half, why didn't he bury that one too? You know. Oh, that, I know. That was easier in many ways. So yeah, you know, great for Chris. Two best chances in the game fall to fall to the centre half. I mean, what yeah. can you say? Really, he, he really should have. Um, yeah, that first one. He, I think he just sort of sliced it. Um, that was when we were shooting towards the Ted Mac in the in the first half. We also did have other chances where Fraser was marauding through the middle, um, and then there was a one time where he teed up uh, Wilson, uh, who squared it, and it, it just didn't it, it didn't work out. And then to Smith, who then laid back to Fraser, but there just wasn't any end product uh, Callum Robinson for uh, Sheffield United went close another great save uh, by Ramsdale or Rambo as everyone calls him and um, that shot from uh, Billing it was um, I, can't, I can't remember if it's after a short corner or what but I thought that was sailing into the corner of the net but it was a good save by the Sheffield United keeper um, so I don't feel as though they were putting the pressure on so intensively that you could sense a goal was was coming but when it did come, I wasn't exactly surprised. Does that make any sense? It it does. It does. I think we've supported the Cherries for a long time, you and I, and you go mm. through a whole range of emotions uh, through a season, let alone through a game. But honestly, from before the game, when you and I were both feeling super excited, yeah. surprise when you see that team sheet, frustration when you see it's not working, relief when we score, optimism when you think we're going to hang on and you know, close it out and then total despair at the end. I mean, boy, what a journey that was yesterday. Yeah, it's weird. I was, I, um, I was kind of keen to get out the ground as soon as possible because I had to do these sort of YouTube videos and it, it wasn't it wasn't ideal, but I sort of left my seat and was loitering around, you know, loitering around. Um, but I kind of felt um, after this kind of late penalty claim got turned down, uh, yeah, it was, it was one all, but I didn't have the massive disappointment that I have had from other sort of last minute equalisers I'm not too sure why that is maybe it's because Sheffield United are a uh, sort of um, unknown entity entering this division or maybe it's just I'm so used to something like that happening it's just almost you know natural for you know AFC Bournemouth to do AFC Bournemouth things but never mind were you surprised that there were there was a lack of substitutions from Eddie Howe until, until obviously the goal went in it was um, quite bizarre everyone from about 65 minutes onwards was looking over thinking what's he going to do and no action at all I thought it was very un like the uh, coaching yesterday mm. I thought uh, typically the way that Eddie sets the team up is normally a 4 4 yeah. okay so we sort of understand why it might have been a back five yesterday 
But then when we start games, it's normally that first 15, 20 minutes we go right at teams. We, we try to blow them away. I mean, if you think about what Liverpool did to Norwich, not that we're Liverpool, but it's mm. that same sort of thing. You know, you, you get into them early, particularly a championship side coming up to play their first game. They're going to be nervous and they were nervous. Mm. We, yeah. we didn't go for them with that same sort of pace and energy that we normally do. And then um, I think that caution sort of affected the players uh, and it affected Eddie. I think when we actually got the goal, I, I think what went through his head was, you know what, let's try and sit on this, close it out. If we get a 1-0, great result. Mm, yeah, that's right. I mean, I mean, conditions weren't weren't great in the first half, and it I mean it caused a, an awful game. I mean, the wind was swirling around. It settled in the second. I mean, the pitch at AFC Bournemouth will always be beautiful. It's um it's as I described on Talksport Two on uh, Saturday morning as flat as a spatula. Now people were thinking, what is that idiom? I've never heard of that sort of uh, <laughs> phrase. Now that's because I just thought I'd mix it up a little bit, and I put a tweet out five minutes beforehand saying I'm going to be on Talksport Two shortly first person to reply with any word I'm going to try to shoehorn that word into the interview uh Cherry's fan Alex Deutsch came back with spatula and I was thinking how am I going to do this and I was talking about the way that certain players like to play and they like the pitch as flat as a spatula but yeah I can't (laughs) believe I did that but yeah the you know conditions weren't great um one thing I would say is that we really missed that natural link between midfield and up front that David Brooks provides this sort of, you know, leggy style and the way he just effortlessly um, strides past players. And I thought that Harry Wilson could be the player to do that. So I was actually really disappointed not to be seeing him play. Agreed. I thought that Harry would have been a natural uh replacement for Brooks and what Brooks brings I mean obviously he's only been training for a couple of days so maybe Eddie felt cautious again didn't want to didn't want to try something new I thought the game could actually have been a a good opportunity for Jordan Ibe to be played Mm. I know he sort of divides opinion but we were crying out for something unpredictable some invention yes and with with the back three not bringing the ball forward, challenging their midfield, it made it so easy for them to get organised behind the ball and, and close off that avenue down the wings. Yeah, that's right. It's um, It was really interesting to hear the fans' thoughts and we're going to have some more very, very shortly. And um, uh, yeah, and... In terms of VAR, as we you touched on it earlier, there's a few people, by the way, in the... Um, in the Ted McDougall stand that are obviously relying on Mike Botto to do the announcements with regards to your penalty checks and stuff. But I hear there is going to be a new screen going to be in the north, uh, well, the northeast corner. So, you know, between the north stand and the east stand. So that's much needed for people in the Ted McDougall stand who invariably haven't got a clue how long is left or any of that sort of malarkey. So uh, VAR, I don't think it was too much uh, of a sort of interruption or an issue on Saturday but in other Premier League games I'm not sure if you've seen match of the day but there was a there are, have been a few contentious decisions already even on uh, match week one there have and I thought the contentious decisions in our game both involving Josh King mm. um, hand on heart the first one I think was the ref got it right he headed the ball got to the ball first before yes the contact with King. The second one, unfortunately, Josh was pulling uh, the defender's shirt, I think it was Egan, and because he had a bit of him, Hmm. when he got pushed, the ref was kind of looking at it 50-50, 
unfortunately that kind of um, appearance yeah. just counted against us I think in the VAR decision he, he wasn't going to give it either way that one yeah that's right so um, it's it, invariably most Bournemouth fans have, were very disappointed and then after the game um, I filmed some YouTube videos as I, as I mentioned I was still, I stood there in the concourse and then legged it round um, to the car park and um, uh, yeah I just want to echo my thanks uh, to Paul Kenwood A.D. Brown uh, Tony uh, Tim Spencer and his uh, kids also Lucy for filming um, and as I've said on a YouTube video it's, it's quite funny I mean a fan channel is what a lot of people have been clamouring for yet finding people to take part is is often a really hard part so thank you to everyone who helped us to kick it off not not really sure where it's going to go but with the combination of uh, filming at the games and videos that have been submitted by WhatsApp we should have enough regular content there for Bournemouth fans to enjoy on YouTube um, one thing I find on, on social media and in, in, in a way the Vital Forum has this as well and I'm sure it has on Facebook and the groups there but Twitter especially it's full of sort of knee-jerk you know, keyboard comments from anonymous usernames so I find these videos really um, authentic because they're you know you can put a face to a name uh, and it's something that I feel is vital and it's quite handy because I've been able to use some of the audio in the podcast for the fan thoughts but remember if you want to get in touch uh, you can come along after a game or you can give us a call as well it's 01202 90 10 48 you can also whatsapp your videos and contributions as well details are on our twitter if you want to film yourself brilliant just uh, do it on your phone make sure it's in landscape and not portrait and you can just wax lyrical no holds barred uh, send it to the number that's in our twitter bio and yeah we'll use your audio on the podcast just like these guys here are some more fans thoughts hi my name's leanne and yesterday i sat in the north stand unfortunately i was pretty bored by yesterday's game but I think there was a few contributing factors. Um, I thought the wind played a big part yesterday. And as much as I love Eddie, I think his lack of substitutions really didn't help the game. Hi, Sam. It's Nobby Dog here. How frustrating was yesterday? It's taken me all this time to gather my thoughts, really. The one thought I did have was from last season. Uh, the last few games, we were so devoid of any kind of attacking threat any creativity coming through and I thought after the summer um, having been concerned about that after the summer signings I was really confident I was really excited before yesterday's game probably just like all the other fans really optimistic that we were going to come out and actually teach a new team to the Premier League a lesson we were going to show that we deserved to be in the Premier League in our fifth season and we came out and we did exactly what we were doing at the end of last season. Even though we had all these players, these new players signed, I know a lot are injured. But, you know, what have we been doing over the summer? We looked devoid of any kind of attacking um, tactics um, that we were just going backwards, sideways, 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 backwards, forwards, backwards again. Um, and, and hardly any threat to their goal. Um, you know, give Sheffield United their their dues. You know, that would have been us four seasons ago. They deserved the draw. We didn't deserve to win. Um, and it's just so depressing after the game. Everyone was just totally um, devoid of any kind of 
enthusiasm or, or comments really um, that were positive. However, the positives for me were Ramsdale in goal. He made some great saves. He looks to command his box. He was talking to the defence all the time, which was fantastic and good to see. Um, Billing, you know, for me, he looked as though he'd been in our team for the last two years. Um, Very strong, very athletic. Uh, Lerma had a pretty good game as well. Whether the two together... Um, are great. I thought they were really good. We'll firm our, our middle up, but we'd still need somebody in there who's going to be creative, like Lewis Cook, Brooksy, or hopefully Harry Wilson. Um, and why, oh, why, oh, why did Eddie not make any changes? Why did he leave it so late? We could all see after about 60 minutes something had to change. There was no way we were going to win that game easily, um, carrying on the way we were. The The front two couldn't hold the ball and again you know I might get criticised for this but Wilson and King playing up front together now for what four seasons five seasons are no SAS they're no Sheringham and Shearer they look as though they've never played together before they don't seem to link up together Fraser was off the ball till about the last 20 minutes when he decided to run at their defence but yeah it was just so shockingly disappointing I think yesterday So let's hope things get changed for Villa. If they don't, I can see us getting absolutely spanked at Villa if we don't pull our socks up. So let's hope there's a few changes. um, And let's not be so defensive. Come on, let's have a go at them. That's another promoted team. We need to go out there with all guns blazing next Saturday. So looking forward to it. And uh, catch up with you soon. Thanks. Bye. Hello, my name is Ben Phillips and I sit in the main stand in Block 2. So I think that we lacked quality in the final third and the choices that we made with our passing was was not, well, 90% of the time were not the correct choices to make. I feel like that Eddie Howe should have made substitutions early on in the second half or at half-time to spice it up a bit because the game was very flat throughout all of the first half I've got to say that I think that Chris Meppham in the first half should have buried the chance that he had from five or six yards away but it was a great finish when he did when he redeemed himself in the second half I've got to say fair play to Sheffield United because it felt like they came for a draw and they did that very well because they did get that draw but they got all the men behind the ball well and they put some really good challenges in to stop us from scoring especially their goalkeeper from when I'm pretty sure it was Philip Billing smashed one from 25 yards away when it was rocketing to the top corner I think my man of the match would be Steve Cook for his excellent tackles when when it was just him versus uh, in a 1v1 versus their strikers and I think that if we were to fin- push the top 10 finish we need to stay injury free and get um, our new signings Dan Juma and Kelly playing and we need to get Harry Wilson, David Brooks and Lewis Cook to full match fitness so we can have the strongest side possible. Thank you for listening.
so thank you very much for the fan thoughts and i've got to say uh, it's great to have some female voices on the pod so uh thank you to kerry in the first bunch and then leanne in the second lot um really good to hear your voices and your views and i encourage every single person to get in touch with us because we will include as many as we can now i've just got to do a big shout out to uh bruce rueg um he is a new podcast listener and he wanted a shout out and he's been listening avidly i think he listened to the first one two or three times so jeff it sounds like uh you've you're going down very well (laughs) i'm pleased to hear it (laughs) (laughs) well uh jeff has been very active this week And as we lead into the Aston Villa preview, we really want to get three points. But Jeff has been speaking to long-term and long-time Villa fan, Rob Suckling. What a summer it's been, bringing ourselves back from the Championship. I remember watching the playoff final uh, over the course of 90 minutes. We obviously took a 2-0 lead. And it was a case of, with the last 10 minutes to go, uh, Derby obviously getting themselves back into it, 2-1. Uh, it was, you know, very, very close to being a whole, a wholly different story. And uh, the difference uh, from getting promoted and staying back down in the championship is absolutely massive. Um, obviously, with the amount of money that we've been able to get, and I'll get onto the transfers very shortly. But uh, it was, it was absolutely crucial that we went up this season. Obviously, it allowed us to keep Jack Grealish, who's currently our captain, um, and he's obviously. Uh, and able, we're able to build a team around him now for the rest of the new season as well. Uh, so it's absolutely critical that we won the game. Um, it allowed us also to obviously have our transfer window this summer. We knew that we had uh, very wealthy owners, third wealthiest owners in the English Premier League now. So uh, obviously we've got the platform then to really expand and re-push on and going forward. And obviously we did that, you know, 12 signings seems like a lot, but actually we addressed areas that we really needed to improve on. It was really astute signings. Uh, when you consider the turnover of players that we had, we were getting uh, a lot of players that were leaving, uh, you know, players, kit. Okay, you know the likes of Glenn Whelan, Millie Edenak, you know elderly elder players who were actually you know very influential obviously in that running be able to provide a lot of advice but at the end of the day uh, they did need to be moved on that required uh, you know a lot of new additions a lot of new faces and one of the best parts about this transfer this summer transfer window was the fact that we got them in early we got them uh, obviously on our pre-season uh, games they were allowed to gel uh, and we saw a little bit of the fruits of that um, on uh, the Spurs game well, I'll get on to that very shortly um, but it allowed us to really start to kick on um, obviously there's been a lot of talk about how you know Fulham did this last year you know spent a lot of money but what you would have found the difference being there is that they spent a lot of money a significant amount on players on the transfer deadline day which is obviously uh, deep into August last summer uh, and all of those players then had to quickly gel um, in comparison to our own. Obviously, we've got players coming back from loans. We've got players who uh, Dean Smith's worked with before. And we've also got, uh, you know, a few a few of the players that don't match those two criteria. You know, you've got Tom Heaton coming into the goal. Um, players that, you know, a bit of a no-brainer purchase, really, in the sense that they, regardless of those two things missing, uh, they'll slot in comfortably. And we start to see that a little bit already in the games that he has played. Um, obviously, Mings was a really, really important bit of business. Um, unsurprisingly, Bournemouth were able to kind of hold us out for at least 20 million. 
if not more rising. Um, but for you know to see the difference that he made last season, you know he's a real calm, composed uh, leader in the team. Really good addition to the dressing room as well. Something that we really needed. And you have to remember we've had, uh, as being a Villa fan, you know, we've had several years where we've had uh, not enough characters in the dressing room pulling in the right direction. You know, we've had obviously our relegation season last time we went uh, when when we were in the Premier League when we went down, we had a lack of leadership and a bit few too many mercenaries. Uh, as I'm sure quite a few other Villa fans will agree. Um, the season hopes, to be honest with you, it's all about making sure that we stay competitive. Uh, I'm not going to say a particular position, like saying, oh yeah, we'll be happy with 17th, because to be quite frank, and Dean Smith said this himself, and I totally agree with him, uh, you know, you want to go out there, you want to win every game, you want to, you know, try and be as competitive as possible. You don't want to say, all oh, right, you know, we're playing, um, you know, for example, Spurs uh, away, and we're just happy to just try and, like, get a draw or something like that. You want to try and go and win it. Um, so hopefully we'll see more attempts to try and actually go and win games as we go throughout the rest of the season. Um, and... Obviously, we'll get to the Spurs game. It was very, very challenging. We held our own against Champions League finalists. That was always going to be very, very tough. Uh, defensive display was very, very good uh, up until obviously the last three goals. But we just tired mentally, uh, you know, fatigue physically as well. It was always going to be difficult to keep it up for so long. Um, but that is an introduction to the Premier League for the boys that we've just uh, introduced, as well as the ones that have just come up with us. Uh, and, you know, we will only get better from that. So I'm not too worried about that. I knew it wasn't necessarily going to be a stellar result in terms of what we're going to get. It's just about the performance from the boys at this point. Um, and Saturday is going to be tough. Bournemouth are, you know, a team that out, well, since Villa have been outside the championship, uh, like them a lot, uh, like the way they play, like what Eddie Howe's done with you as a project, and you play very good football, so it's going to be very, very challenging. I reckon there's going to be quite a few goals, though. I reckon I'm going to go 3-1 for the Villa. Okay, so some very interesting views there from uh, Rob. Um, mm, he's he's thinking that Villa are going to win it. Um, obviously, Villa went down 3-1 to Spurs at the weekend. Uh, I note that Tyrone Mings got his first assist with a, with a through ball. I, I don't... Well, what, was it intentional or not? Maybe it was. Maybe that 2016... Oh, visionary 40 yarder I'd yeah, say it could well be he's done a few of them actually in um, in their championship season but um, yeah uh, it's going to be an interesting game Jeff at, at Villa Park um, ideally we'll we'll come away with three points I mean what what would be your thoughts if you were Eddie Howe I mean formation wise would you be keeping it the same or uh, even with the actual players would you be sort of removing anyone from the equation I think it will be a different setup. So where Sheffield United sort of sat back and waited for us to come onto them and then try to break on us, mm. I think Villa are going to come into this game. They're going to think we're there for the taking yeah. and they're going to come onto us, try and attack us. And I think that might play into a 5-3-2 more naturally and leave us with some space down the flanks, some space through the middle to get our counter-attacking game on and actually do quite well. Mm, yeah, I certainly have. I mean, I saw the highlights of the um, of the match against Spurs and they, you know, they started off relatively well by the sounds of it, but then Spurs, you know, came back into the match as they do. And um, it was a couple of goals from Harry Kane and a debut goal from Ndombele on 73 minutes that uh, that actually won it for them in the end. Um, Villa fans are, are very confident about their sort of chances this season, you know, given the amount of money that they've got. Was it, I mean, did you actually see any of the, um, of the Villa Spurs game 
I did, and I thought first half in particular they looked pretty well organised. They've got some talented players. McGinn, who scored their goal, yeah. quality player. Uh, Grealish looks uh, decent as well. I know um, a lot of Villa fans think he's you know the new Messiah. Uh, so yeah. you know they've they've definitely got talent. I think what what's uh counted against them yesterday just a little bit of naivety you know where they they got pressed back and they started conceding possession a bit more easily and Grealish was actually badly at fault for yes. i think it was uh one of the goals the second goal i think which you know it it, it happens but i i i think they are definitely going to look at this as a, a game where they can get three points and i think they're gonna have the crowd behind them we shouldn't mm. underestimate that Honestly, if we turn up and play as cautiously as we did yesterday, I think we are going to be in uh, some trouble. Um, if we turn up, compete, if he if he brings in um, either Ibe or Harry Wilson, even I think you know that would give a different dynamic and just get us off in a bit more of a positive mindset. Yeah, yeah, I do agree. I mean, I'd like, I'd, I'd, I think I'd like four four two to be honest, but we, we will see. I mean, I think you know, if there was to be a sacrificial lamb, I'm sorry, not a vendetta, but it would probably be Rico. Um, and then I would, I would like to see uh, Smith on the left. Um, Mepham, I don't know, I, mm, very difficult because you know, considering he scored the goal. Um, but then I, you know, I'd love to see Jack Stacey and Harry Wilson. I'd love to see him get some minutes too. But um, I'm going to push you. For a prediction, uh, Jeff. Now you you cleverly noticed that um, I said two one on the podcast, but then on the interview on Talksport two, I, I I changed it for three one. I, I kind of wish I stayed two one because it it certainly looks better, doesn't it? But um, what's your thoughts on the potential scoreline for this one? So I am confident. One thing you'll learn about me, Sam, is that my glass is always half full. So <laughs> good, good, good. <laughs> I'm going to go for a 2-1 victory for us and Villa's goal will be a consolation in the 95th minute. Ooh, I like it. I like it. OK, well, uh, as far as I'm going to go, I'm going to go for well, I don't know, um, a 1-0 AFC Bournemouth and it's going to be Harry Wilson. I'm sounding like Sean Barker with all his you know, conspiracy theories and his kind of, he's got an idea, he, sometimes he's got an idea, idealistic view of life with the Eterbe conspiracy and all these kind of things he said before. But I reckon, <laughs> honestly, Harry Wilson is going to come off the, be uh, the bench, 35-yard screamer, left foot, top left-hand corner, similar to the Liverpool goal he scored against Lyon. And then uh, he's going to knee-slide all the way towards the Bournemouth fans that, that's what I'm hoping but yeah I mean I, I don't think 1-0 is unfeasible but either way we'll be with, we'd be happy with three points wouldn't we we'd definitely be happy with three points you know what I've got in my mind is that free kick edge of the box uh, 92nd minute to win the game and that's when you need Wilson on the pitch to curl it into that top corner Hi I'm Michael Botto and you're listening to Sean and Sam making some noise for the boys on back of the net Okay then, so your Monday morning podcast is nearly over. I hope you 
I hope you appreciate how soon we have got it out because we want to have it so that you can listen on your way to work and um, of course whenever you're listening I hope you all enjoy the game on Saturday at Villa and safe travels of course as well now of course we've got to tie up the answer to the do you remember question it was just that piece of audio from a new signing it was someone who who took a video in the restaurant you could hear Mark McAdam interviewing this particular player Jeff I'm Pretty sure you know the answer, but do you want to have a stab at it? Darren Anderton! Yeah, well done. <laughs> 10 on 10. Well done, yeah. 10 out of 10, correct. You can have a gold star for that, but you, oh, thank you. are 100% correct. Uh, Jeff, once again, it's been a pleasure. Been a pleasure, Sam. Looking forward to it. And remember, boys, back of the net. That's it. Boscombe, back of the net. Back of the net. (laughs) And remember, we want uh, to get you subscribing to um, the podcast via whichever app you do. And if you get chance, I know we bang on about it, but if you can just leave a review, that'd be really helpful because it helps in the algorithm and it'll put us higher up. So on iTunes, please send a review. Um, And if you if you like us, yeah, you know, you don't have to leave words. Just put five stars. That'd be great. And also um, be great for you to uh, share and retweet us on social media as well we put so much effort into this completely unpaid uh sometimes we wonder why we're doing it but um also the youtube videos <laughs> too if you can subscribe to that that would be much appreciated but as i said enjoy the game on saturday this has been back of the net the afc bournemouth podcast it is fraser Overhead from Ake, Wilson off the post, Mepham! The deadlock is broken, and it's Chris Mepham with only his second ever senior goal. Both of them against Sheffield United. Podcast Network.